Well, on this toasty June weekend, it's been a jam-packed, exciting weekend for us here at St. Mary's. A lot going on. First, a very blessed Father's Day to all of our fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. We'll have a blessing for you at the end of Mass here this evening. So thank you for being great dads. We need great dads in our world today. So thank you, dads. We're also, as you can see, hosting the relics, hosting the relics of St. Bernadette. Um, as they are in, on a U.S. tour that started down in Miami back in early April. Um, the relics are from France. If you know much about her life, you would know that St. Bernadette is from France. Uh, the relics started in Miami. They made their way up the East Coast, throughout the Midwest. They're here with us yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And then they'll be making their way out west on Tuesday morning. And so we've had a steady stream of people all day yesterday, all day today from all around the region coming to venerate and pray with the relics of St. Bernadette. We had folks from South Dakota, Montana, uh, Granora. I don't know if you know where Granora is. It's north of Williston, about 45 miles. Made it all the way just to pray with the relics of St. Bernadette that we have with us here uh, this weekend. So if you're here for the relics tour, a special welcome to you. Um, also want to offer an invitation to join us for Mass tomorrow evening. We have our closing Mass, a Mass of Thanksgiving with Bishop Kagan um, at 6 p.m. Uh, tomorrow evening here. And then we'll be doing a Marian candlelight procession around the block uh, with a statue of our Blessed Mother um, singing various hymns in honor of Our Lady. So please come back for that tomorrow evening, 6 p.m. I know some of you might be wondering what exactly is going on over there. <laughs> um, the gold case, the gold case that you see so beautifully with a depiction of St. Bernadette on the front, um, that is known as a reliquary. Okay, a reliquary is simply a vessel that holds relics. Um, I've been told the relics of St. Bernadette that we have with us are fragments of her fifth and sixth rib, her kneecaps, a sample of muscle from her right femur, and parts of her hair. And so those are the relics, those mortal remains we have of St. Bernadette. I know relics are kind of a strange thing at times. As many of us know as Catholics, they're simply part of our tradition that remind us of one fact, that the life of holiness, the life of sanctity that Bernadette lived is not just for her. It's also for us, right? That we're called to a life of sanctity, of holiness, and those relics are a reminder of that fact as well. And then also, of course, this evening, this weekend, we celebrate the great solemnity, the great feast of Corpus Christi, the most holy body and blood of our Lord. Now, I'm not sure if you remember the date of your first Holy Communion. You probably remember the day, right? You might remember the day of your first communion, but do you remember the date? I do, not because I have a great memory, but it was May 7th, 1995. Now, when I received my first communion, like many of you, I got a gift. It was a small St. Christopher medal. And on the back of the St. Christopher medal was inscribed the date of my first Holy Communion, May 7th, 1995. I wore it every day, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, all the way up until the eighth grade. When I was an eighth grader, I was at hockey practice and the medal fell off sometime during practice. I got home, I realized I lost my St. Christopher medal. My mom drove me back to the rink. Practices were over. I looked on the whole rink, trying to find my medal. Never found it. I think the Zamboni picked it up and turned it into a piece of ice or something. Uh, so I lost that medal. But I mention that because it's been 27 years 
one month and 12 days, 27 years since I received my first Holy Communion. I know that sounds like yesterday for some of you, but for me that seems like a long time ago, but it goes by fast. But the reason I mention that is because the last time in my life outside of seminary formation, I received any kind of formal catechesis or kind of housekeeping things on the Eucharist, on reception of Holy Communion, the last time I did would have been second grade. Now, we pick, we pick up pieces, right, once in a while in homilies or books or different things on the radio or TV. But in terms of any kind of, like, formal catechesis or practical teachings on the Eucharist, I'm guessing for many of us, the last time might have been First Holy Communion. And my question would be this. How much else do we remember from second grade? Probably not all that much. And so what I want to do this weekend, what I've done at the three previous Masses here in this final Mass uh, this evening, is just to kind of go through and provide some housekeeping items for our own reception of Holy Communion and our own worship of God at Mass. Now, some of this is going to seem very basic, but I've got a lot of helpful feedback this weekend that a lot of this people simply either forgot or didn't really know and I'll explain at the end why this is so important for us. But the first thing I want to do to make sure that my own heart's in the right place, and maybe ours, yours as well, is if you could grab your pew card, the prayer card, in the front of your, uh, right in front of you there, it's a laminated um, cream-colored card. The back side of it, upper left-hand corner, a short prayer called the Anima Christi. It's actually uh, set to music. We're going to sing that here later on at Mass this evening. And if we could pray this prayer, the Anima Christi, together as we begin, uh, just a few housekeeping items. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within your wounds, hide me. Permit me never to be separated from thee. From the wicked foe, defend me. At the hour of my death, call me and bid me come to thee, that with your saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So how I prepped for this weekend was I simply went through and I looked at the different sections of, of the Catechism, of the Code of Canon Law, in other places that we have as a point of reference for the different things we do here at Mass. Now, I mention that because what I'm going to share with you is not my own personal opinions, not my own personal preferences. Like, I wish we would just do it this way. Okay, that's not what I'm sharing with you. You might have your own devotional practices, your own pious way of doing things, that's great. But what I'm saying here this evening, this weekend, is this is what the church would expect as, as a bare minimum for every Catholic, right? And so that's how I, I prepped here this weekend. What I want to use as kind of a point of reference is the Mass from beginning to end is kind of uh, a touch point for these various things, and you'll see here as we go. So the first thing I want to mention is this. We're blessed here at St. Mary's to have the Eucharist right here in the sanctuary, right? Right here. And so when we come in the church, um, we, of course, genuflect as we enter our pew, right? We genuflect as we enter our pew. We gen we're genuflecting not just to the altar, 
We're not genuflecting to some general area. We're genuflecting to Jesus, present body, blood, soul, divinity in the tabernacle. Now, some churches don't have Jesus right here in the sanctuary. Sometimes there's a side chapel 14 miles away. You walk in, you're like, where's Jesus? Where they put him, right? But Jesus is in the house, okay? He's in the house. So when we walk in, the only appropriate thing as you enter your pew is to genuflect to the Blessed Sacrament. And we would do the same thing as we leave church at the end of our time as you leave your pew. Um, we genuflect, this is going to sound kind of funny, but we do genuflect with our right knee, right? It's the right knee that hits the ground, it, just like it's our right hand that makes it the sign of the cross. Now, that's not to be discriminatory to those of you who are left kneed, okay? Uh, but you just don't use your left hand, you don't use your left knee, because you don't use your left hand to shake your hand with people, right? Use your right hand. And so we use our right knee to genuflect to the Blessed Sacrament as we enter the church and leave the church. Um, secondly, once we get to our pew, I think it's important for us to making sure we're preparing our hearts for Mass, right? That we, we come with a lot of stuff going on. We come with all kinds of things going on in our life. Um, sometimes things are very noisy, but what we want to tr do is just try to settle our hearts and quiet our minds to prepare for what it is and who it is we're about to receive, right? So just a reminder, everyone, that when we're coming to Mass, Find that way for you that works to quiet your own heart. Um, one of the reasons we do provide the pew cards in your pews is to help direct your prayer. If you're like me, sometimes I need written prayers to help me focus, right? And so on the very front of this card, as many of you know, there's two prayers uh, written by St. Thomas Aquinas, right? St. Thomas Aquinas, who actually has a lot of connection to today's Feast of Corpus Christi, because there's Aquinas that wrote the prayers and the hymns that we sing on the Feast of Corpus Christi. Um, but there's a wonderful prayer before Mass and a prayer after Mass to help prepare our hearts well for our celebration of the sacrament. Next is just a reminder that um, what we do at Mass is meant to be participatory, right? There's meant to be an exchange of words, an exchange between the priest, the deacon, and, and all of you. That's why we have the different uh, dialogue parts, the Lord be with you, lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Those things, everyone, just a reminder, are meant to be spoken, right? They're meant to be said. They're meant to be responded to. Um, we had the opening prayer here a few moments ago that we just said. Uh, there's a response to that, and the response is amen. Um, the prayer after communion, there's a response for that, and the response is amen. So just to remember that when we're coming to Mass, um, trying to participate in those different responses. If you're new to the faith, right? I know some of you might be new to the faith. Um, we have the Breaking Bread hymnals, and the front of the Breaking Bread hymnals is actually an order of Mass with every response in there. So if we're struggling to remember, oh yeah, what's, what do I say there? It's right there listed for your convenience. Um, and then also with that too is the encouragement for all of us to, to try to sing, right? I know some of us not, might not be singers. Um, don't worry, you're in really good company. Me, You've heard me sing. I'm lousy, okay? But I try, and I would encourage you to try as well. Our musicians do a wonderful job leading us, and so grab that hymnal, participate um, as best we can. Why else are we here? We're here to enter in, and so find those different ways. Remember what St. Augustine said about singing? He said, the one who sings, prays twice, right? Isn't that nice? The one who sings, prays twice. So to keep that in mind. 
Um, next is a reminder that we are required to observe what is known as the Eucharistic fast, right? We're required to observe what is known as the Eucharistic fast. That means that we are to fast from food and drink for one hour before receiving Holy Communion, with the exception of water and medicine. Okay, that's, everyone, not just a suggestion, but we are required to uh, fast from uh, either food or drink one hour before receiving Holy Communion. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but some of you might remember the days where the Eucharistic fast began at midnight, Saturday night, Sunday morning. That's when the fast began back in the day. Uh, in those days, you had 6 a.m. Masses on Sunday for a reason. <laughs> to break the fast. You didn't have 6.30 p.m. Masses in those days. Can you imagine not eating since midnight, right? And so that's part of the reason there was never a Sunday evening Mass, um, 1950s and 60s and, and before that. And so I think it's important for us to remember, everyone, to observe the Eucharistic fast one hour before Mass, uh, before we receive Holy Communion. Uh, the next one kind of connected with that is uh, the chewing of gum. Okay, the chewing of gum during Mass is not permitted. It never has been. Uh, that's true for every Catholic church, not just here. Um, I know some of us really like to chomp. Uh, this isn't just for chompers. This is also for those of you who might try to hide it, right? Making sure that we're not uh, chewing gum at Mass is an important reminder as well. Uh, next, oftentimes we're asked as priests, Father, how many times can I receive communion in a day? How many times in one day can I receive communion? The answer is twice, right? You can receive communion two times in a day. Now you be, might be thinking, why would I ever go to Mass twice in a day? Uh, things happen, right? Maybe you go to a one o'clock wedding somewhere, a wedding Mass, and then on a Saturday, then you go to the vigil Mass later on that day. You can receive communion both times, right? Let's say you come to the 7 a.m. Mass here on a weekday, and I give a lousy homily, and you're like, I want to go hear what Broughton has to say down at Ascension. So you go down to the 8 o'clock Mass at Ascension. You can receive communion twice that day. As long as the second time we receive communion is within the context of Mass. Now you may be saying, well, when would I ever receive communion outside of Mass? Let's say you're at Mass here this evening, 6.30 p.m. You, you have a loved one at Sanford Hospital. You go over to Sanford afterward. A Eucharistic minister comes by to give your loved one Holy Communion. You're standing there, but you just received communion once that day at Mass. Can you receive that a second time? No, because it's not within the context of the Mass. So for most of us, 95% of the time, we're receiving communion at Mass, so you can do that twice a day as long as the second time is within Mass. All right, isn't this fun, right? I think it's helpful though, right? Um, next, just a reminder to everyone, um, the appropriate way to receive Holy Communion. Um, what I'm going to share here, I'm sharing for a reason because we see these things a lot and we get a lot of feedback from our ministers and, and wanting some help from me in assisting them in their ministry to you. So I'll explain. Um, when you come forward for Holy Communion, just a reminder that shortly before you receive, um, you're just to bow your head, right? You're to bow your head as a sign of reverence uh, to the Eucharist. Typically we do that when the person in front of us is receiving. That's fantastic, great, the head bow, wonderful. Um, there's two ways then to receive Holy Communion, right? Either one is on your hand, 
or second is on the tongue. And that's entirely up to you, right? Um, on the hand or on the tongue? Um, if you're receiving on the hand, just a word of encouragement to make sure that our hand isn't high in the sky, isn't way down at our knees, but is at a comfortable, normal, like appropriate level, okay? Uh, but then secondly, that you're giving the minister a place for the host to land. I don't know how else to say it, but sometimes the hands are like closed and I'm like trying to find a little crevice to put the Eucharist in or the hands like tilted and it's like, yeah, Jesus ain't gonna stay on there, all right? Uh, so making sure that your hand is at a comfortable level, nice and flat. Again, um, I'm sorry if uh, this is elementary, but we see everything, okay? Um, and we're trying to be uh, helpful. So a uh, hand like that. And then also too, when the priest says the body of Christ, or the minister or the deacon says the body of Christ, what do you respond? Amen, right? That's, your response is amen. And so just to remind us of the response of amen to the body of Christ. And then last note on that is um, making sure that when we're receiving Holy Communion, that you're consuming the Eucharist in the presence of the priest, deacon, or minister. What do I mean by that? So sometimes what happens is you'll take the host and you'll start strolling down to that corner here, this corner here, okay? We have an obligation to make sure that the hosts that we give out are consumed. We don't know everyone. You might not know us. Our ministers might not know you. And so uh, we would need to protect the Eucharist and making sure that you're consuming the Eucharist in the presence of the minister and not halfway down the aisle. And that's especially true if you're receiving from the folks, the ministers who are on the side aisles here, they're facing inward. What happens is you receive the host and then you're stepping behind them and they get nervous because again, they might not know you and they haven't seen you consume the host. So just to alleviate our own consciences, if you could just give us a hand in consuming the Eucharist in our presence and not halfway down the front aisle, okay? So just a, a reminder on that. And then finally, um, when we get back to our pews, right? I know it's tempting just to, to check out a little bit, to check out the crowd, see who's here, see who's not here. But that's a wonderful time to pray, right? Just to give thanks to God to thank Jesus for the great gift of the Eucharist that you just received um, and to say that prayer of thanksgiving and however that's helpful for you to do. All right. Last two things. These are a bit more challenging, but I think it's important for me to, to speak to them. Um, everyone, I have the responsibility as a priest. I have responsibility as, as the pastor here that everyone in this parish understands and knows um, that we have an obligation as Catholics to attend Mass every Sunday and every Holy Day, right? That is called a Holy Day of Obligation and a Day of Precept on a Sunday because it's a day we have to be here, whether we feel like it or not, whatever it is, right? That coming to Mass is not an optional thing. Um, and, and the Holy Day of Obligation, the five of them we have are not optional things as well. Um, we try to do a good job informing you as to when Holy Days are, right? There's five of them. We always announce it the week before. We put in the bulletin. You can put in your calendar. But what we've really noticed, um, and I think most parishes would say, is that on Holy Days of Obligation especially, our mass attendance here drops by like 50%. So we know about 50% of our parish that is already going to Sunday Mass aren't going to uh, mass on Holy Days. So just to keep that in mind as those come our way here in the next year. 
but also uh, Sundays as well. Um, I know that uh, you're here right now. You're saying, Father, th- all those people need to hear this, right? But I also know that for many of us, we might go most of the time, right? When it works, if it fits into my schedule, I'm there 90%, 95% of the time. No, it's every Sunday, right? Every Sunday is a day of obligation. Um, now, what happens when we miss? Um, to miss Mass on a Sunday, everyone, the church would say, is a grave sin, right? That's not me saying that. Uh, the church would say to miss Mass on a Sunday through one's own fault um, is a grave sin. And so it's important that we're being committed to Mass on Sundays and Holy Days. The reason I really emphasize that here this weekend is in the last two years, especially since COVID, um, I think COVID really, really messed this up for us. I think many of us were in a good routine of getting to Mass, Sundays and Holy Days, and what we've seen is COVID kind of ruining that for, for many people. Um, and while I can watch it on TV, that, that doesn't work like that. Um, I know not having Mass for six weeks and then having it optional for 11 months did tremendous harm to our Sunday obligation. And at some point, we need to return to uh, what God has commanded us to do in memory of him. All right, last one. I mentioned that missing Mass on Sunday would be a grave sin. There's other grave sins out there too, right? I don't need to go through them. Maybe that's a homily for another day. Um, But what do we do with grave sins? There's only one thing we can do with them, and that's bring it to confession. The only way that grave sins are forgiven in the life of the church is through sacramental confession. And so things like missing Sunday Mass is something that needs to be confessed, right? Because what happens if we're conscious of grave sin regarding Holy Communion? We shouldn't be receiving. If we're conscious of grave sin, we shouldn't be receiving Holy Communion until we go to confession and have that absolved. That would be the teaching of the church through and through, right? And so the obligation, everyone, to be at Mass is the obligation to be at Mass. You don't have to receive communion when you come, right? A lot of people receive, don't receive, excuse me, for a lot of different reasons. Just because you're here doesn't mean you have to come forward. You're more than welcome to stay in your pew and not receive communion, right? But here's the way I like to think about it. If we're not in the habit of going to confession, We shouldn't be in the habit of coming to communion. Really. That's always been the church's teaching. If we're not in the habit of going to confession at least once a year, then we should not be in the habit of receiving communion Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. St. Paul actually says that receiving communion when we're not prepared well does more harm than good. Now, I know this is hard, And why am I saying all this? Because our reception of communion, everyone, is meant to be fruitful. It's meant to bear fruit. I don't mean to sound fussy. I don't mean to put something on your conscience that you're not ready for. But I have an obligation to let you know of these various things so that our worship of God is bearing fruit in us, right? That this is meant to be a fruitful thing. So on this great feast of Corpus Christi, I hope you find it helpful to remember that we're here to worship and receive the living God. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving 
be every moment thine.